0: don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now.
1: All right, guys, welcome back. Episode 31. E-Y-L 31. Episode 31 yeah. of the Earn Your Leisure Podcast. So um, today's a special, special episode for us for, sure. for a few different reasons. It's the first episode that we've had two guests. Yeah. So <laughs> hey, we're, we're breaking new boundaries. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we're gonna talk about a lot of things that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. But before we go into the episode, August 22nd, we are coming to Houston, Texas, to do our meet and greet networking event. Um, you know, we've we've done it in three different cities so far, LA, yeah. Brooklyn, and Atlanta. So this is the fourth installment of the network meet and greet. Yeah. And the purpose of the, the, the network meet and greet is really for us to interact with our supporters, mm-hmm. but more importantly to to bring people together and you know, one of the most important things in business is relationships. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times you might live in the same city as somebody, you might live in the same neighborhood, but you never really interacted with them on a, on a business level. You never know how somebody can help you. Like, that might be a business partner, might be a real estate partner, you never know. Yeah. Um, so, we want to just bring the people out, and um, it's going to be dope. It's yeah, going to yeah, be dope. I think there's
0: like a misconception. Like, people think, like, we're going to be having a seminar. It's not a seminar. Speakers. It's for people to meet and greet with each other. Because even when we leave this, that city that we're in, like, the relationships that... You've developed at that meet and greet Will still be there The meet
1: and greet is a vibe within itself It's a whole vibe It's not a seminar It's a a way, as I said, to interact But it's it's dope Because people come And then they interact with us And then we bring some of our guests with us we definitely going to bring some guests with us And um, they talk to them And then they get some advice And then they network with each other It's like a live episode, really It's like a party with productive Tendencies, like you know, what I mean, like it's, <laughs> it's something productive. Productive character. Yeah, you yeah. know, you have a couple of drinks, and it's, it's just a, it's good energy, it's good yeah. vibe. So, Houston, we need you guys to come out. Um, RSVP. The link is in our bio on yeah. our website, um, and it's under the events tab. So, we're looking forward to touching the town and and seeing everything that Houston has to offer for sure. Yeah, man. Sure, so looking forward to that. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna get right into it. We have a very special um episode today. We have Lenny Williams and Jeff Dest. Um, so this is interesting because both of these gentlemen work at colleges. Yeah, um, it's back
0: they, to school time, right? Now is the time when yeah, yeah. colleges is, is back in session again. Right? Yeah, so for like sure. The, the, the fall semester has begun,
1: yeah, for sure. For, Perfect sure. Time for sure, that's <laughs> a fact. So they both work at Jersey City University. Um, Lenny is a business professor. in Jeff is the director of student leadership. Jeff used to be a professor as well, but they're not like your typical professors or like college administrators. they look like, they're they're like the type <laughs> of professors I wish I yeah, had. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a little different. So they put a different swag on it, and um, you know they they they're pretty major. They've been all over. They've been featured on CBS, Fox, Boston Globe, Ebony, um, Black Enterprise, Hot ninety seven. They've done TEDx talk. So, um, you know, they have an interesting outlook on education. They take a different approach on education. We're going to talk about education and and a few other different topics. But first and foremost, thank you guys for joining us. You're welcome, fellas. Appreciate it.
2: Thank y'all, man. Appreciate y'all.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we'll jump right into it. So you guys are college professors, right? And, um, you know, college is something that is very it's, it's, a, it's, it's a hot topic, and it's, it's something that triggers a lot of emotions in people, especially nowadays. It's like anytime we put a post on Instagram about college, we get a thousand comments and yeah. people saying, like, it's a scam, don't waste your money, and other people saying like, <laughs> all kinds of stuff, right? So um, Thanks, I'm just going right <laughs> to jump right into it. Is, is college still necessary to be successful, or was it really ever necessary? But it, in today's society, is college still necessary, still needed?
3: I mean, I think that college, I mean, it's not needed. It, it, it's, I mean, it's something that you can do. It's, it's something that's possible. I think it should be an option, right? I don't think it should be forced upon that people have to go to college. Um, I know I will say there's other ways of being successful and going to certain fields that college is not needed as much as it was five years ago. Um, but uh, but some things you do need, like if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or you're in the STEM fields, like college can be very productive. But then there's some other majors where... Honestly, you can, you can learn on YouTube, or you can learn by reading books, or you can learn by just doing. Um, so I don't think it has to be a necessary thing to go to college, um, but I do think it should still be an option.
2: Yeah, I think also one of the biggest things about college are the networks and the relationships that are made. So it's very far and few in between that you get to sit in a room with a doctor, a future lawyer, a future dentist, a future teacher. And have conversations that are not about your fields of study, and because we all know that once we get into our, you know, our real lives after college, mm-hmm. it starts to become a little bit closer in the bubble where you're just dealing with people who are ha- who have similar interests. So college, for that particular space, there's not many other places that create that type of environment. Right. And academically, there are some fields that do still need it, but you know, I think that these institutions, a lot of them are just not created for the benefit of the students. I mean there are a number of colleges and universities that are doing that work, but I think there are a lot that are scamming people and I think there are a lot that are not uh, doing the work. Yeah, it used
0: to be looked at looked at as a, a badge into middle class life. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you had to have that piece of paper if you wanted to get a good job, get a house, like that that's going away with like what Lenny was just saying is like some things we're just gonna learn on the fly. Like we say this all the time. We have no training in broadcasting, but we're doing right. a podcast, right? Like we're learning these things as we go, and I think like, yes, there are options that you can do outside of going to school, but if there are careers like lawyers and doctors, like you said, then yeah, it's mandatory, man. I'm a, I'm a college guy, right? Like I, we had to do it in education, um, but like I said before, like I feel like we could, I could have done it out of high school had I given the proper training rather than seven years of dedication to that career. You know what I mean?
1: Right. I think I think what college does is we live in a society where image is very important, mm-hmm. right? So what college does is that it gives you a badge to say, okay, I have a certain level of success already built in because I've, I've completed my degree, yeah. so now I can at least speak to you on an intelligent level and I can be taken seriously, which not is not always the case, right? Because yeah, there's right. plenty of people that graduated from, what kind people's Kanye said people graduate from college would be still stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that right. happens all the time yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah. right. every, and day, then, every and then, year that's happening I then you got some people who never went to college who are brilliant or never finished college that are brilliant Absolutely. so my personal opinion on it is that I think that college is beneficial it can be beneficial right. f- from the social standpoint specifically from a social standpoint and growing as an adult right because and especially if you go away to college that's probably your first opportunity living on your own and you mature you, you develop certain relationships you meet people that part, you really can't get just going out of high school into the, to the real world. You can, but it's a lot more difficult. You're not in an incubator where you're just around a thousand people and you can just develop those type of relationships. It's not easy to do that in, in just real world life. But I feel that a lot of times people are misguided. Right, Right when they go to college. So this is my next question as far as, you know, one of the biggest things with college for me is um, majors, right? So you guys are on the inside, and I see. I saw that even when I was in school. Anybody that, that doesn't know, I have a communications degree. I don't have a business degree. So, but when I, when I went to school, they told me like, look, just get a degree, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you're not trying to be a doctor, or a rocket scientist, it doesn't <laughs> matter. And it honestly didn't, because when I graduated, so I'm a financial advisor, but when I graduated, in order to do what I had to do, I had to pass like three different tests. So I had to study for like nine months, mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if I would've got a business degree or not, I still would've had to study, so it's kinda like I went to college after I went to college anyway. And now I have my licenses, so I can do whatever I wanna do. So, but I coulda had an art degree, I coulda had any kind of degree, Man. right? So how how important is it to, to pick the right major? And how do you determine what is the right major?
3: So this is for parents and people guiding students um, for college. So before I was a professor, I used to work in admissions. So the most important part, um, when talking to parents or talking to students is when you're choosing a school, especially when it comes to majors, your major should be a top five major within that school. What I mean by that is top five within enrollment and also um, they have placement for companies that deal exactly with your major. Mm. Um, and if you're not in those like top five areas for your major, what can happen, honestly, is you can be two years in at the school and if there's not enough students enrolled in that program, your program gets dropped and now you're still at that college. So it's very important as we, we guide our, our students time to go to college, yeah, that's great, but please make sure whatever field you're trying to go into is, one, um, a popular major within the school, two, has the partnerships outside of the school with the different companies, and then last but not least is the mentality of knowing where the United States or where your country or where you're living at is going to be the next five years as far as the job market and careers and what's going to be in demand. Not what's, I always say this mentality of not five minutes from now, start thinking five years from now. Right, so when you're making that decision, what does um, a communications degree look like five years from now? Right, what does that field looks like? Look like five, is it even going to be around? Photography is that something that you really have to go to school for when you can potentially learn that? You know, so that's that's kind of the key when picking your majors is making sure that the school provides the resources, but can also place you at the job, but it also is a, a in demand. Within the next few years. I,
0: I, I couldn't agree more, man. Like a lot of times, especially in our community, when our, our kids think about college, the first thing they think about is the athletics, right? right? Like I want to go <laughs> to Duke or I want to go to North Carolina. I want to go to UConn, right? And when you get there, if you're not there on athletics, it's like, well, I want to study communications. Well, that's not a, one of those majors that is one of the right. best things at that school. So like you should be looking past just like, yo, I'm alumni and I go to that school for the sports, right? It, right. it means it doesn't mean as much when you come out of UConn with a communication degree. Well, I have a
1: communication degree. No, no, I'm saying like UConn. <laughs> yeah. But I wanna go back to what you said. No, 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 no. I wanna go back to what you
0: said because you, you, you said that it doesn't matter. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're on an athletic scholarship. If It matters to a guy like me who was like, I'm studying physical therapy and I don't wanna be a physical therapist. Right. And I've paid $30,000 for four years. It's like, this matters a lot, right? Like now, what do I do? Do I have to continue going when I don't wanna do this? Or do I have to figure out what can I do? Like, that, I kind of fell into that thing. It was like, the school I was at, it was great for physical therapy. I couldn't pass the science classes. I'm like, yo, I'm not going to be a physical therapist. Right. I got to figure out what I can get. And gratefully, I was able to go to school with a health science degree. And I was like, all right, well, what does that even mean? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I had to start figuring out, like, uh, and we, what and ha- what's and going to and happen now? We,
3: we talk about this all the time. Um, and, and Jeff, in particular, used this analogy of, You know, in everything else, you buy something, you challenge to make sure that the service that they're providing is correct, right? And I feel like people are not challenging some of these schools when they're paying all this money. You know, Mm -hmm. you're paying, and maybe because you're not physically using cash and handing over $50,000, you're not seeing the money, so you maybe don't care as much as if you're going to a restaurant. Like, you know, Jeff always says, about um you know if you order steak and they bring out chicken nuggets are you gonna eat the chicken nuggets or are you gonna say i ordered steak (laughs) and many times students are paying all this money for a school and they're not providing the services that they're promised and they're not challenging the school right or or, or asking questions before and i don't know maybe it's because again you're not physically handing that money over and you think like oh i'll just get a job and i'll pay it off later but i think you should really treat it like everything else you purchase that's a problem especially
0: in our community man like we don't know how to advocate for the things we want. Like I've seen it over and over with parents not being able to advocate for the kids, but then the kids grow up and they don't know how to advocate. So if they are being mistreated at school and the things are not being provided, it's like, who do I talk to? Well, about? I was gonna ask, like, how, what, how, what do how, I how
1: do you challenge the system? Cause I mean, that's like going up against the that's government. Mis- like that's a big system, how do you challenge it? Right, them? so I don't
3: want to to say like challenge the system, it's simple things. So if there's like a college fair at your school, like every school typically at high school, they bring in college representatives. You know, instead of asking questions Like, students get these questions from guidance counselors and some people, I don't know where they get these questions from, like, um, what's the percentage of student success at your school? Like, that's not a question you should be asking. You should be asking, you know, look, I want to be an engineer. How can you, how can this school help me become an engineer? How can this school help me become a a biomechanical engineer? Like, whatever. How does, how, what are the tools at your school to get me there? But also, is this major a popular major at your school? Can I talk to somebody at the institution, the career center, and find out how many, People you placed at a job in the last three to four years. That's, that's important. Like, you know, like those type of questions need to be asked, and um, unfortunately, we d- we don't we don't provide those resources and tools enough, um, and that's why we create the platform that we create That's part of the things that we do is to let students know, like you do have a voice. Number one and number two, um, to ask those type of questions before spending all of this money.
1: Yeah, Jeff, I wanted to ask you a question. We spoke off camera about the hidden
2: curriculum. Yeah. So the idea. So it kind of goes into. The, the the aspect that the students don't know who to ask so that so there there is that problem i don't know where to go and the institutions are not doing the job properly a lot of institutions are not doing the job properly in creating a space for students to understand things like uh, acronyms that students don't know so i don't know what fafsa might stand for and that's talking about financial aid if you don't know what that means then You're out of luck if you don't know what the Bursar office means. And these are the things that are just directly dealing with your money.
0: Sounds like foreign language already. It's already, (laughs) right? So you don't know what these things
2: are. So I think it's just essential for, and this is where I think the big problem is, is that there are institutions that are about creating careers for people who want to be educators. So they want to go up the ladder and become vice presidents and become deans and become. Provosts and, and presidents of institutions without caring about the students, so then they create these platforms and they create these spaces where the students cannot succeed. So I'm not I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There are there are academic institutions that are out there primarily just to build careers and primarily just to make money. The proper institutions that are doing the work are the ones that say we are going to make sure that you know who to speak to and. With the hidden curriculum, that just means that there are things that are being hidden in regular nomenclature. So it's saying, we know what it is, but a 17-year-old does not know what that is. And we right. expect them to know what it is, then succeed in that space, and then excel beyond that. And then by the time they hit to year two or three, we see the retention level drops because the student doesn't know what the term retention even means. So we're <laughs> right. saying, we want to keep you here, but are <laughs> we even doing the work that needs to be done? So. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's where we have to start to do more work is saying, what are the students getting and who do they need to speak to? So to really touch on the comments that we were just saying, one of the things that I can tell all people who are sending any of their students to college or are going back to school themselves is that you have to really find particular individuals on your campus. I can't stress... The, uh, I can't stress it enough that you have to get involved. So that means you have to find somebody who's already doing the work and make sure you align yourself with that. Find the Jeff or the Lenny on your campus and sit in their office, introduce yourselves. Because what ends up happening is I'm the one that's gonna put you in touch with this person, that person, this individual to help you succeed. Because doing it by yourself is literally impossible. Now we was talking
1: off camera too and it's difficult because I, I think my experience is a little jaded because I, I, I played basketball. So when I went to school, um, I got I was on athletic scholarship. So if anybody's not familiar, athletes, it's, it's different, especially right. at a Division One school. So when I got to campus, you know, we had our own study hall just for the athletes. We had our own um, advisor just for the athletes. Our books was free. And, you know, they would stay on us, like, make sure, like, where are you doing? Like, you just going to class. You, you know what I mean? It's like, so it's easier because it's more structured. But for somebody that's just – going to college on their own and especially if, if you if you know your parents didn't go to college so you don't yeah. you're first generation right it's a lot that goes into college that's different from high school like I remember the valedictorian of my school a couple years ago that, I, that my high school that I went to he's a lot younger than me obviously and I spoke to him he's in Harvard and um, I was asking him like how you doing at Harvard and he's like you know I wasn't prepared mm-hmm. this is the valedictorian of the school he's a smart kid obviously but he's like high school was just so easy for me. And I'm in Harvard, and it's just way different. And he was like, you know, I, I I never realized how much I wasn't prepared until I was in that position. And I think that that happens all the time. And like you say, a lot of times, unfortunately, especially you know, you might have family issues, whatever. Kids just drop out because mm-hmm. you know you you fall behind a couple semesters, and let alone not even talking about financial issues, just social issues, and just dealing with school and structuring your time. It's like how can somebody fully equip themselves for, for making that jump from high school to college? First you sign up with Trill or not Trill. No, <laughs> <laughs> nah,
2: But uh, you know, to fully equip yourself, it, it takes a lot. And this is where we have to really invest. We were just talking about that off camera too, about how much money you place on a college degree. Whether you're going there for free or you're paying full tuition, there's no, I mean outside of a house, there's no larger investment that you're really making probably throughout your life. And in the same way that you invest in a house, you're searching for multiple houses. But then even before that, you want to know how is the house, how you know, how was it built? What was, right. what do I have to do to fix this space? What do I have to do to make sure that my family, if I want to start a family, goes in here? Right. It can't just be let me just show up, pull up, and figure out the right. rest.
3: Return on investment.
2: Right. Yeah. And so with the, with the, what people have to do is is really start to invest in a child and a student's education before they even get in there and find the programs. Because colleges and universities, some of them will do it, but a lot of them will not, and say, listen, we're gonna give you a two-day orientation session to figure out how to succeed in college. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, That's you in there trying to holler at other people, you in there trying to have fun, you know, because they're also doing that, too. Because there's a DJ at that thing. the got a party every director, party. director's there, you know? Yeah, you sitting here thinking like, man, I don't even know what registrar is. And I remember like as a college student, I was like, is it register? And they're like, no, it's registrar. And I'm like, why? What does that even mean? Right. When you're registering for class. Correct. When you're registering for (laughs) class. So there are these simple little things that that students aren't prepared for. And so for me, I just think that you have to invest in the same way that you would invest in a house, the same way that you wouldn't buy a car without making every possible detail right. before it. You have to do the same thing. And I think the
3: this. key is invest past financials because a lot of people always talk about college and investing and it's only the financial piece. When we say about investing, we're saying do the research as well um, and understand um, where college is going, what colleges are doing, the different degrees, um, because it, it can be really beneficial for you. And it's yeah.
1: also a very important, I think, what Jeff said as far as to find people on campus that know the deal. And because that helped me out a lot as far as, like, when I first got there, um, I had a, somebody – shout out to my man, Jarrell. He's from the Bronx, and he was a junior when I was a freshman. He was on the team, and he was seasoned. He was there for two years, so he kind of explained to me, like, take this class right. and don't do this and have this many credits and, like, this professor is cool. And he kind of walked me through it. And um, from there, I was able to have a smooth transition. But I think it's important to have that mentor. I don't yeah. know if, if schools have programs yeah, like then, that. They do.
3: And then and then, the other thing before we talk about what you want the mentors is don't get too caught up on titles as well, right? Looking for somebody with a leadership title to be your mentor. There's yeah. just people on campus that literally run the campus, but don't have any fancy title. Yeah, it could you be know. the person that works in a bookstore. Right, you know, what I'm saying they right. see everybody, and they've in. been there for twenty years, exactly. so they know
2: exactly what books to get. They know exactly where to go. There's the person who's cleaning up the the, the student union building. They know, hey, listen, you know, you need to join this club, or hey, you know, right. you need to talk to Jeff because Jeff knows who everybody is, and so that's where you know we always talk about the difference of what a mentor means. So we tell people, number one, you need a digital mentor. And a digital mentor is somebody that is online, that has an online presence at that institution or otherwise that you know you can just watch what they're doing. And that might just mean I'm watching somebody's Instagram feed or Twitter feed and saying, all right, you know what, I need to just know because this person is providing a wealth of information. There's a generational mentor, so that means you also need to know somebody who is from a different generation than you are, younger and older, who have different mindsets and different viewpoints that you can say, all right, this is the generational mentor that's older than I am, that's going to be providing me the traditional sense of leadership. But then here's this person that's also maybe a little bit younger than I am, that I can give them information, and then they give me back some some right. information.
3: And then, like your boy as you said at your school, be what we call a peer mentor, right? Right, somebody that's in that same age range, same age bracket, doing this, you know, the same things that you're doing, and that's a fellow peer of yours that can yeah. that can really help you out. It's important,
1: nah, for sure. All right, so now we're gonna go into the next segment. We're gonna talk about the financials, and we also gonna talk about chill or not chill. So, yeah, you got. Some I more love Jim's that part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we're gonna talk about the number one thing when when it comes to school is. <laughs> how to pay for it right yes. money money As we said man it's the
0: it's the biggest financial decision that they're gonna make um and they have especially high school students they got about three years and that you're making that decision at yeah. 18 like a lot of right. people won't get approved to get a loan for a house they probably won't they may not get approved to get a loan for a car but they will get approved for student loan <laughs> no nah, student loan is real it's something
1: like i said once again um I was fortunate not to have student loan because I had a scholarship, but I have brother and sister, and they both have student loan. I think they both still paying on this student I'm still, I'm still, like still paying myself, my brother. And so they, yeah. old, they both they both older than me. Yeah. But um, student loans is real. Financial aid is definitely real. All that is real. So
0: and you can't escape it. No, no, no filing for bankruptcy on student loan. Oh, they gonna want their money. Yeah. Rain, yeah. sleet, no, You know yeah. that yeah. <laughs> they That's gonna that. want their money. Sleet, hail, snow. Sally <laughs> Mayworth, <laughs> worse
1: than Fifty Cent. Man. I heard <laughs> up. Navigate. Thank you. So, so, but like, what's 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 some hacks? That parents, because a lot of parents listen to our podcast, and, and you know, might have children in college or children getting ready to go to college. What's some hacks that that and even children uh, or young adults can use to minimize the cost of college? Um, one of the big hacks
3: for high school students is taking college courses while you're in high school. Now, some high schools and some districts provide that, um, and they're called like articulation agreements another fancy word, another <laughs> fancy higher ed word, um, but they're called articulation or, or dual agreements or partnerships where a lot of community colleges now and some four-year schools are trying to build upon their enrollment. So what they're doing is they're, they're allowing high school students to start taking classes at a lower rate or for free. Mm. So that's something to really look at in your, in your area, your region, your district, um, especially within the community colleges. Your kids can take some of those level 100 courses at a lower rate. How do you How do you get yeah, are, are they going on campus to do that? Uh, you can go on campus. So you can call, what you can do is you can call, um, most colleges have what they call like a pre-college program, pre-summer program, summer academies, and look, look inside of some of those programs, those summer camps, and maybe don't send your kid to maybe a sports camp in the town. You send them to a business academy camp at like, let's say, a Pace University, um, and then they can potentially get credits for class um, while they're at that camp. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a way to, to kind of look at it. I would look at your local community colleges first. Um, give them a call. A lot of them do allow high school students to take classes on Saturdays um, and at night. Um, so that's something that you can, you can definitely look out for. Um, and you can go in as what they call another fancy college bird, like a non-matriculated student. That's yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> I know that word. <laughs> I think
2: another thing too is to just be honest about going to community colleges. So community colleges are way less expensive than they are than four year institutions are. Right. And so if your student is not fully prepared because they just don't know. I mean, at eighteen you just may not know. And at eighteen I thought I was going to be a high school basketball coach teaching English classes at a, in my old high school. <laughs> And that's what I thought I was gonna do. And I went into college thinking that that was the plan and I realized that I didn't want to do that at all about two years into the game. And so I had, I don't know if community college was particularly for me, but I paid for those two years. And I paid a lot of money for those two years. And for some people who are just not quite sure if they want to go to college or if, if this institution is, go to a two year and bang out two years of college that are going to be a lot less expensive and then succeed at those two years and then you can get into whatever school you yeah. want. I mean, Harvard yeah. is giving away full scholarships to students who excel at a community college right. as are so many other excellent institutions. So, you know, I think that's a one, That's another way to minimize some of the costs. Um, and, and another thing I wanted to add is uh, alumni offices are a secret hidden money giving uh, space, um, you're, it's, it's called advancement, uh, advancement. at, at, at yep. most universities, but your alumni offices are always collecting money from donors who are saying we wanna give money to a black male student from upstate New York right. who enjoys watching soccer and they literally will say that's the only way we're gonna give $5,000 to this program, or we're gonna give $5,000 to a student who's involved in the Haitian Students Club, and that's the only way we're gonna give $5,000. I donate to my school, right. and I give money only to the black student union That she helped shape my career. So we have money that we give to, you have to be involved in that club. But students don't know because they don't always announce those scholarships. They're just there on the, the website right. that nobody knows. Mm-hmm. So I, I tell students once a month, go into that office and say, are you offering any scholarships? Right. And they, they, they will be there. And then
3: for those people, I mean, I, I, we both did it. We both donated and, and created our own scholarships. I created one at a community college, created one at his high school. And for those people that are watching that don't know how to give back money Um, You can call the foundations and and advancement and um, alumni offices at these colleges and do a $250 scholarship or a $500 scholarship to help students as well. Um, Another misconception is that you have to finish a community college in order to transfer. Um, That's not true. Every school is different. So for example, in New Jersey where I live, there's two things that I wanna kind of put out there. There's two things. In New Jersey, um, let's say you have 12 credits and a 2.0, you can transfer into most four-year state schools. Um, in New Jersey, excuse me, two point five into most um, state schools in New Jersey. New Jersey also has another program, um, and most states do have programs like this called NJ Stars, where a student maybe didn't do particularly well in their SATs, but they're in the top twenty percent of their top ten percent of their class, and if you're in the top ten percent of your class, you go to college for free, community college. Then when you go to community college, if you get your associate's degree and you have a three point two GPA, you can get another scholarship to go finish your your bachelor's degree at a four year college and that'll be at NJ Stars two. So NJ Stars one, it's community college. You can transfer out and then you go into NJ Stars yes, two. So, yes. so these are the type of programs that they have in a lot of st- I just know that particular because I'm from New Jersey, but they have these type of programs within the states. So don't get too caught up saying, Well, I'm top twenty percent of the class, I wanna go to this big school. Yeah, you might your top twenty percent might be different from another high school. So you might not get as much money as far as scholarships. So take advantage of the scholarships that you do have, maybe at that community college, and then go on and then potentially transfer and get scholarships as well. So there's transfer scholarships too. As
0: you're talking, I'm listening because we, we do this uh, this project with the kids who are going into college. Like even say an associate's degree, they like have no idea. So that's trad- traditionally 56 credits. right? And then obviously a bachelor's is when you finish uh, traditionally 120 credits of school. right? That might take four, um, four or five years.
3: Hopefully. Right. Because right. it's going to cost you every time right. you don't. But and, and, and on top of that, you know, after a certain amount of credits, after I think 160, I want to say, yeah. you run out of financial aid. Yeah. That's, so a, that's just, important. So you can just right. continue to go to school. They'll let you go to school. They don't care. But your financial aid, can, you can exhaust your financial aid. That's important. And um, I was going to say, like, in addition to that, like, a lot, there's a misconception
0: with community college, like you said, like, after those two years, you transfer to a four-year school. Like when you graduate and you go into your career, nobody's looking at like, <laughs> right. "Yo, what junior college?" You well, transfer from community college, and then New York State has now, like in the past two years, they started the Excelsior program. So state school is also a good thing, right? If it's at least it's less than if you went to a private school, right? So if you go to state school and you live in New York and you know your your parents make under a certain amount of money, you can have, um, I think, room and board for free, yeah, or and tuition okay. is lowered okay. as well. So. That's another option. If you if community college is like it's not something you want to do, um, go to your local state school if you live in New York. And then I think the only recommend the requirement is that you have to
3: uh, work in the state right four years after you um however long yeah you stay a Yeah, a lot of schools are doing you know if you if your parents make seventy thousand hours or your household income is seventy thousand hours you go to school for free. Right. Um. That's something that's happened in New Jersey where all the community colleges will be free starting September. Um, these are the, again. These are the type of programs that you should know. But most importantly, you just brought up a really good point. Um, public. Understand what a public college is and a private college. Yeah. Right. Nine times out of ten, a private college costs more than a public college. And it doesn't mean that. And it goes back to what I said earlier. It doesn't mean that they're a better school. It's literally because they're privately funded. So it's a little. It's a little bit different when it comes to how much they charge for tuition. So it's very important to know what a public college is and a private in a private and know the difference that's
1: important yeah because i actually did a podcast before and somebody asked me that question and i was saying that um nobody cares like especially if you plan on on getting a degree outside of the other first degree so like if you if you know you're going to get a four-year degree and you're going to a two-year school or if you know you're going to get a master's degree right they only care about the last degree that you have true right and that school that you went to so like barack obama is a perfect example he went to his first school that he went to for two years is like some no-name school in California. Then he went to Columbia, and then he went to Harvard, Harvard after right. that, right? When you hear the stories, it's only that he went to Harvard Law and he graduated from Columbia. They never say the first school that he went to. Nope. It doesn't matter. But you save a lot of money, you prepare yourself, and you grow. So a lot of times, I'm not the best person to give this speech because I went to the University of Hawaii, but. You, it, you might have to humble yourself and stay home, right? And, yeah. And, and learn learn the ropes and, you know, stay at home for a couple of years and, and then go out on your own. Or, you know, you might just sacrifice for four years, stay at home, save money, go to your local school in your area, your state school. It, it'll You might not get the same joy as, you know, going out on your own and, you know, going yeah. to a crazy destination. But the grand scheme of things – it, it might make a lot of sense yeah. long term. That, that's my
0: story in itself, right? I stayed home. I went to school locally, right? But what I did during that time was I was able to get experience. Whereas somebody who comes out of school and is looking for experience, I already have four years on you. So sometimes when you go to a career or a job, it's like, yeah, you have this, but do you have the experience? Like I'm doing that as I'm going to school. And
3: obviously, I don't have to pay for room and board or anything like that. So it, it helped in that way. Yeah, and also look at another good point about experience, also look at the career centers within the college. Um, I know in my junior year, my job, my internship was also kind of as credits, so it could be considered like a co-op program. So your your class can actually eliminate. I mean, your job can actually eliminate you taking a certain class because the work that you're doing, the experience that you're doing, is a learning, um, learning learning experience. And then they'll give you a professor to kind of you know follow you along. And then you write a paper about it in the semester. And not only did you get paid to work, but you also got
1: credits, which saved you money as well. Nah. So Jeff, you have an interesting story about J. Cole.
2: Yeah. So you know, it's it, this is the thing about college. So this kind of goes into this conversation about how to find money and how to be more successful in it. So I went to St. John's University and I went to school with J. Cole. And you know, I was president of our Black Student Union, which was called Haraya. And at that time, we were the largest organization. They had a massive budget, over hundred thousand dollars. And what we were able to do was. I became president of that, and becoming president of that, they gave me a $5,000 stipend. So right there, I got an extra 5K that I didn't have for doing some student work. On top of the stipend, with that budget, I was able to also bring in a bunch of different speakers. I mean, Cornell West, Maya Angelou, all these people that I wanted to meet, we had the money to bring them in. Now, the J. Cole piece is is, is leveraging the networking opportunity. So if you're going to go to a college, I don't care what school it is, I want you to go in there and make sure you meet as many different people as you possibly can. Get yourself into every room. And so when I think about Cole... One of the things that, you know, I remember Jermaine was just rapping in the random open mic or rapping in the residence hall in the dorms. And then that flipped into him getting involved. He eventually became president of our black student union. And then when that happened, he always had a crowd. There was always 500 people that were guaranteed that we're going to buy the mixtape, that we're going to come out to the show, that we're going to support him at the open mic, that we're going to go out to this. And me, I see it all the time as we do speaking gigs and I still perform poetry. Half of my audience are people from St. John's from my undergraduate career. So I I tell people, make sure that once you get in, get yourself involved, get yourself entrenched in the university, because that's how you get them to start paying you back. And that's the thing school's really expensive but I'm gonna find out how do I become a resident assistant and a resident assistant is when you're in charge of a residence floor and you're in charge of a dorm floor they pay for your housing right. and I did not pay for housing for three years of my college career and when you get into those spaces I was an orientation leader which were the people who introduced the, the people when they came to college I got paid for that so that's where you find the money you leverage the money by the network by the capital of the individuals as well as the capital that them that the school has and itself. you
1: said something Interesting, you said that um, j Cole, being the president of the Black Student Union, he was in a unique position because he booked concerts. So right. then he that always was, opened up for them. Yeah, it
2: right? was it was fascinating. <laughs> I mean, I I remember, <laughs> you know, when I was rapping back in the day, that was the same thing. I'm like, I put on my little resume. Yeah, I opened up for Kanye. I opened up for Quali. I opened up for Common, and he did the same thing every time we had a major artist. He was one of the performers opened up for it. And then that just again creates more leverage, creates more opportunities. You get practice and you didn't pay a dime, you didn't pay anything. You use the studio that's on campus. You use every possible resource that they have because they they they're taking the money from you. <laughs> right, your tuition. They're never going to they're never going to say, "Hey, you know what? It's okay. You don't have to pay today." So I'm going <laughs> to say, "Listen, I want <laughs> They're never well, going to say that, right? So i I want the studio, I want the gym, I want I'm taking everything that this school could possibly give me." And he was like a straight-A student or something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, he was a good student um, from what I heard. I mean, I wasn't in the classes with him, right? But I, he was. I mean, and that's the thing is that I can't stress, and I'll say this over and over again, you have to succeed in that space. So do everything you possibly can to to, to leverage every opportunity that they have.
1: So that's interesting because, you know, that's, that's culture, hip-hop culture, and music. And one of the things that you guys do is that you blend culture... With education, and you have a, a company called Trilla Not Trill, right? So that's an interesting name, Trilla Not Trill. <laughs> <laughs> that's Right, yeah. shout well, out to Bumpy, Bumpy. Bum Bum right. Bum right. Bum I S- Houston, yeah. Right? Yeah. that's Houston, right? That's got to be. That's got to Pim- be. Pimp C, Bumpy. Bum Pim- C- Bum that's that's UGK. Yep. Um, Houston, what up? Yep. Port off to Texas. Port off to Texas. A little oh, different, right? You're right. But um, all right. What and Not Trill? For people that may not be familiar, what does Trill
2: mean? So for us, I mean, like you said, you know, we got it from from listening to UGK. And the idea of Trill, in an essence, is true and real coming together, right? right? So can you be truthful? Can you be honest? But can you keep it authentic? And for us, that's what we do. We're educators who are making sure that we keep it real every single time that we speak to somebody and we're authentically us also at the same time. And Trill or Not Trill started out as a blog. We threw, I used to throw a hashtag on my Facebook pages back in the day saying, is this Trill or is this not Trill? Then I said, if I wrote a blog, would y'all read my blog? <laughs> And you know how people do. Yeah, we're gonna we'll read, read it, and nobody you. read it, right? I got you, so man, then no worries. We all read. That's it. <laughs> so then we, the blog picked up, and w- what happened was I hit up Lenny randomly, because we were meeting about something else, and I said, yo, I got this blog, that's starting to cook a little bit, do you wanna, you wanna maybe write about it? And Lenny, with the business background said, you know, I think this could be larger than a blog, and I think that we might be able to turn this into a business model right. and a business idea to transform education. And then we put all of our minds together, and then we said, this is what we are. We are going to be the change agents of education. So we are yeah, the yeah. individuals who are going to take this thing called higher education, flip it on its head, keep it real with everybody that's that's listening. A, a president of a school, to the to the, the the lunch person, to the student, every individual when they see us walk into the room, they're gonna understand what trill or not trill really means. And we are a leadership institute. That trains professionals, that trains students yep. to make sure that everybody understands what it means to be culturally responsive. That's the term that we're that's another term, right? Yeah, put it in we're gonna put it in the dictionary, right? Yeah. So culturally responsive, <laughs> right. which ultimately means that we're taking care of the needs of the students. We are interested in what they're watching, what they're listening to, what they're reading, what they're involved in, and that is included in every aspect right. of the education. And the needs process. of now. You know, Correct. we're not
3: using the same thing from last semester. It's, every semester is different. Every generation is different. There's the millennials. There's Generation Z. So we're able to, you know, continue to be current and make sure that we're, we're reaching every student.
1: No, that's dope. And I think that that's important, too, because, you know, a lot of times we have these narratives of what, a professional looks like, right? Yeah, right. Man. Like, I, so I, I I taught a financial literacy class. Uh, let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about so it. I've been, sure teaching, about I've been teaching financial literacy. Um, Troy, Troy has a program every summer for six weeks for, for kids like sophomores and freshmen, and I teach a financial literacy class as part of his program. We're doing mm. it for like six years, and um, I come in just off the street. Like, have a, I'm dressed that day. <laughs> that's how I come in. Some days I'm dressed in a suit. Some days I have flip flops, <laughs> right, and, and shorts on. So one day in particular, I have flip flops and shorts on. And somebody that came in to observe it, they were a little disturbed. And they, <laughs> they, he told Troy, like, you know, I don't think that that's, that's a professional manner to, like, what are we teaching the kids? And Troy's like, what, what does that mean? He's like, well, he, he's he's not, he's dressed like, you know, he like he's off the street. Yeah. And Troy's like, well, that's one of the benefits of his profession, he, do, he does whatever he wants to do, right? right? So Good I'm like, flip it. yeah, yeah nah, for true real. Though. And, and this is the thing that we really have to get out the mindset of to say, like, okay, you have to look like this. Why? Who yeah. said that? Like, you know, what right. I mean? there's, there's no rules to that. Like, and I, that's one of the good things I love about tech—they break all rules. Mm-hmm. Like Steve Jobs wear whatever he wants. Mark Zuckerberg wear whatever they want. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Like you know what I mean? as far as obviously you know there's certain environments where you have to dress accordingly. It's just common sense. You don't go to a wedding with a sweatshirt, right? You know? but, Unless you're Jaden Well, he came with a Batman suit. So. <laughs> but um, but for the most part, it's like. <laughs> Nah, we we you know this is this is what we are right. Yeah. So we wear our hat backwards. We might wear Jordans, we might wear Adidas, but that doesn't devalue the information that we're that right, we're yeah. giving right. And, and, that, and
0: that's the thing. I was like judging him on his character. Like
1: who, what he's wearing is not
0: important. What he's <laughs> delivering is important. Right. I had a, a gentleman tell me right. I was doing a parent orientation, and um I had um, some Air Max on. He was like, "You're really gonna do a presentation for parents in Air Max." And I said, yeah. And he was like, well, this isn't really professional. I said, yeah, I'm changing the narrative of what professional is. And he was like, I don't. What do you mean? I said, yeah, the guy wearing N Max is now hiring your daughter to be in this program. Right. That's a professional. <laughs> you know what, you what I'm saying? Like right. we're changing this narrative. Right. So like I don't the ca- judge them on the character. Right. What we're delivering is more important than what we have on. You know what I mean?
2: Well, that's why that's why schools get left. Yep. And I always talk about it every time. You know, I remember my dad used to say, listen, if y'all aren't downstairs by 8:15 for the ride. I'm leaving, right? And that was the test that said, all right, I'm never gonna get left again. And I don't ever wanna be left. And that's what's happening to these institutions. And why, that's why it's important for people like all of us that are sitting at this table to be in the educator space. Because, yep. you know, we have a new book that's coming out, quick plug in the fall, called, <laughs> you know what I mean, We Wear Kicks to Work. And yes, that means, that, that's just showing y'all that we can pull up to any institution at any space. A kick game's alright. Nah, man, it, y'all, y'all
0: can't see their feet right now, but listen. They came here today and they stunned it on. Go them. to the Instagram. And I'm if you to see closer. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> they yeah. stunned it on us. <laughs> nah, nah, you go to class like this too.
1: It's it's, it's important though. Uh-huh. It really is For important. Sure. And it's like, cause I used to see my college professors come dressed however they want. They wear boat shoes. And yeah. <laughs> yep. But it's like they are from a different culture, so it's never questioned. Yep. But when we wear what we feel comfortable in in our culture, now it's like, wait, wait, what's going on here? nah, it's what it is. Like, yeah. you know <laughs> So, I,
3: we're going to be honest with us, it changed the game. You know, us wearing kicks with our suits. You know, students, we was legit out of college what, two weeks ago and these two, um, black kids was walking out and, um, two African American students walking out, chilling, um, on campus and they literally stopped us. I was like, yo, y'all, y'all fresh, man. Y'all really, <laughs> yeah, it's the ordinary uh, language. I don't know, I, I don't know like, I don't know where y'all are here for a Like, right. y'all, y'all, y'all are basketball y'all go, coaches. Exactly. Like, what y'all doing here? It's and, an unwritten language. And it's y'all funny, out. those same kids ended up in our presentation, right. right? And they volunteered and they came up to us after. They emailed us and was like, listen, we would love to just build with you guys and learn from you. And we can learn from them too. So, you know, I, I really believe, um, yeah, you know, probably at first people were like, all oh, wearing sneakers to work. I'm sure people said it behind the scenes. But when you are really doing the work, and especially in the college campus and, and students are, Reacting to you the way they are, you, you can't deny it. You yeah. can't deny it. So it's been truly success. It's been a successful thing for us to wear these kicks because it puts us in spaces and conversations that typically maybe been a little awkward at first, or the student felt like it was awkward. But now it's it's yo them kicks are fly. Then it's like oh so how's uh. That business course going? Oh, it's not. Right, come, come see me. Or how's your financial aid going? You know what? Come, come see me. I'll make sure we, we'll get that fixed. I say this
0: all the time. Like you, that's the unwritten language, right? A kid when he sees those sneakers, automatically he relates to you. Right. A lot of times in education, we they don't have people that they can see that relates. I can wear Jordans, and I don't have to say anything to a kid from our culture. He knows that, like, oh, he wears the same things as me. So, like, I already have a con- connection with right. him, right? So it's now. It's like whatever I say going forward, he's going to listen. Because he's like, yo, he looks
3: like me and he's dressed like. And, wait, he listens to the same music? As right. Me. We are, we're good. It's like what we always say, you know, putting the medicine in the applesauce, right? right? Yeah. And, and honestly, it's, it's also just. It is not just wearing sneakers, too. I don't want people to think, like, oh, now I'm going to pull up in some, some off-bikes nah, tomorrow. Don't, don't do not do that. <laughs> um, it's or, about or culture leading? in general. Like You know, people complain about, like, oh, Generation Z does this, Generation Z does that, instead of saying, you know what? How can I immerse myself or get myself so involved with that that now I can add that to the curriculum so we all understand each other a lot better? But then also lead the traditional stuff that's in there that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so it don't have to be sneakers. It can be movies. It can be music. It can be anything that you enjoy. I feel like people got to, In education, they gotta disconnect from the things that they enjoy just to help people pass a test or, yeah. or pass a class. No, we gotta add that they're, in there. They're the best yeah. actors and actresses, man. And that's the that. thing,
2: you know, that kid just his kid just won $3 million for playing Fortnite, right? And yep. instead of saying, man, I can't believe a kid won $3 million for Fortnite, you need to start thinking, how do I include Fortnite into my curriculum? What conversations do I need to be having as an educator yep. or as a financial uh, literacy person or as an, econo- as, a, as an economist or as a graphic designer or as a, a, a storyteller that says, look at this, look, what Happened here now. Let's show how we can you know expand upon this idea. But you know, when people are you know so small minded, what happens is, man, I can't believe he won three million dollars. Man, exactly. my kid's gonna start playing right. Fortnite yeah. too. That's just not what's that gonna, like gonna a... do to its
1: health? What, what about, about his brain? Yeah, breaking right. news, they're spending it, it, more time it, it, on it's Fortnite. crazy right. that you say that because like even my son, like, he was telling me, like, he wanted to be a YouTuber, and I'm like, all right, let's do it. And then, like, people's like that's not something real. I'm like, I will right, well, tell the kid that made $22 million. last <laughs> year. You know right, right. like, that's, that's real money. Exactly. <laughs> you know right. So it's like, oh yeah, well, th- you know, what is this doing? It's doing the same thing that everybody right. else is doing. Like, you know what and and so when
2: that kid, that YouTuber, when he turns 16, am I going to be the one that says, hey, you should go to college and study marketing? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. I think he's figured it out. Nah, yeah, right. I think he should, <laughs> the, he should be teaching the class. Nah, right. he's you know
1: good. what I mean? All so, right, so in the next segment, we're going to talk about Public speaking, and then we're going to talk about some other things as far as uh, get yourself off the ground as far as business is concerned. Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about um, public speaking. That's something that's very big. But before we do that, I want to talk about something that's in the news lately, and that is a new, I guess you can call it a scandal, for lack of a better word. And um, so 40 wealthy families in Illinois, um, they got caught, or they found out that they were – they were doing this thing where they uh, give they gave up guardianship mm-hmm. of their kids, like when they turned 16, like 11, 12th grade. And in return for doing that, now on paper, the kid looks like they're homeless, like they're poor, right? And then they get a boatload of financial aid. Right. But the parents are like filthy rich. So a lot of some people were, uh, Instagram it was actually interesting because some people were saying, like, I wish I, I knew. <laughs> no, no, no. Some people were saying like that's messed up, that's bad. But more people were saying like, oh, they just, they just gaming the system. Like right. I, wish, I wish I knew that. I'm gonna do that. Like you know, I'm not mad at them for doing that. So, how does that work? Because I know you used to work in admissions, right? Yeah, so I'm
3: in. I'm, I'm, I'm working at missions. Um Of course, I'm not an expert when it comes to financial aid, but I know enough when it comes to um, finding out loopholes such as that. As I'm gonna call it a loophole. Um, where parents, I even seen, I read an article that they Somebody parents are getting divorces, right? Illegally separating, so it looks like they have one parent in the house, <laughs> oh, that, yeah. which, which is crazy. I'm not <laughs> telling you to do that, but uh, somebody might. Like, they're like, yeah, I'm a quick do hack. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, man, we got about
2: to break up this marriage. <laughs> Listen, Listen man, marriage. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go benefit. <laughs> 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 a kid going to
3: they're gonna be a doctor. It's gonna benefit. But anyway, um, <laughs> so <laughs> so. You know, pretty much what people do is um, you can also say your child is paying rent. Um, Your child depends on how you classify yourself or how you do your taxes is the most important part when it comes to FAFSA. Um, So you can do do different loopholes um, as far as, you know, being a person that lives in a house and you pay rent. Um, The the same thing that happened in Illinois. I'm not saying it's good or bad, I'm just saying that it is possible and that stuff is true and people have done it for years. What's tricky is that every university is different when it comes to financial aid rules. Mm -hmm. So um, what may happen is you'll get this thing called verification and you have to give in a bunch of documents and and prove um, these type of issues or hardships as they would say. There's also a hardship form. So even on the other side, for people that are struggling. Uh, maybe you don't have FAFSA because your parents were literally together, or you was living with your parents, or your parents passed away, or what your financial situation changed. For example, my mom had lost her job when my sister was in school. What you can do is, um, before she had a job, taxes show that she made enough money. When she lost her job, of course, she didn't have as much money. You can go to financial aid and ask for a hardship form, right? And you can fill out and explain, and it's up to financial aid to make that decision and find you money. So again, I'm not here to police it and say it's good or bad, yeah. but that stuff is true, yes. Yeah, I remember, I got financial aid, it was like $12. $12. I, like, well, I went through more paper. <laughs> I'm like,
0: what, was it, what are we gonna do with this? <laughs> I couldn't buy a pack of pencils. You know what I'm it's saying? It's like, crazy, it was, it was $12, dollars. It that's crazy. That's true, it The happens. middle class
1: get screwed when it comes to that stuff because um they make too right. much but they don't really make enough yes. realistically cuz right. like, even in New York you make $100,000 that's not that's not real money yeah. no. like you know what I mean so, schools are 55,000 a year yeah, yeah. You're, struggling. Like 000, you're struggling like
0: 100,000 you're struggling yeah I told it, I mean I, I use I tell the kids every time like every day like I'm not sh- there's not a middle class cuz whatever somebody from the lower socioeconomic status has it'll be subsidized so that we're on the same playing field right so like a kid that their parents don't make it as much, like they're gonna get a full scholarship. Right. Whereas I'm gonna get twelve dollars financial aid. Right? So we're gonna be in the same boat. Matter right. of fact, you might be in a better position if you take advantage of this.
1: I think that's an interesting conversation because I had this conversation with somebody who um my friend, he was a doctor and he lives in and he lived in Wall Street at the time. And we was talking about like what's middle class for New York City for Manhattan. What do you all right, I'll ask everybody, what's your number?
0: <laughs> New York City?
1: Manhattan. Oh man hundred fifty, hundred seventy
0: five? Middle class? Middle class. I'm gonna
3: say 200, yeah,
1: 250. I would
3: yeah. say 250.
1: Yeah, going higher, yeah. I said, I, I said, as a couple, I said 350 as a couple. Okay, okay yeah. Oh yeah, a couple, yeah, yeah, And, yeah, yeah, and, and, and I said That's two, what I was 250 as an individual. Mm-hmm. You make anything less than 250 in Manhattan, you're you struggling. <sighs> struggling. It's right. be struggling. No, it's gonna be, be struggling. You're struggling. Yeah. So, yeah. But, so, but the thing about <laughs> it is like, so when you fill out your financial aid form, they doing it the same as somebody in, in Idaho.
2: Right, two fifty
1: right. in Idaho. You, you, even in Atlanta, you make two fifty in Atlanta. You, you get a, a dope house, like yeah, you absolutely. can, like you know, you living good. So it's like, it's 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 really it needs to be changed because you can't judge that as the sole reason right. to give somebody money, right? It's like you know, two fifty. It may look like it's a lot of money on paper, but in all reality, you can be completely struggling and be dead broke. You're not it's getting, like getting any
0: financially. You're making two fifty. No, no, it's real. No.
3: Forget the twelve dollars. You getting zero. No. <laughs> don't even file. Now on the flip side, I will say if you do get free, if you get free or reduced lunch at your school, you should be taking advantage and finding out all the grants that are out there. Pell Grant, TAG Grant, and other grants and programs at these and every institution is different. So don't go by what you see as like a blanket answer or just one answer, yeah. one generic answer. Every school is different. You should really reach out not only to the admissions office but to that financial aid office and find out, you know, hey, my child has, you know, free or reduced lunch. Sometimes schools offer scholarships at the high school. And also, even more important, college board, if you have free or reduced lunch, you get to take the SAT and the ACT for free twice. That's key. So if you go to guidance, they have to give you that um, form to fill out or the paper, whatever it is. But they give it to you and you can go to school. I mean, you can take the SAT. Twice, and the ACT twice, yeah. for free.
0: That, that's now, that, so you said two key words. that Those are those terms, grants and scholarships. That's money you do not have to pay back. I right. want people like people need to know that. Like, you do not have to pay that money back. That is granted to you. And sometimes it's, it's for the duration of the time you're there, or sometimes it might just be right. for the one year or the semester. So, like, and there's always look so, for this. So many of them. so yeah. many
2: out there. So, you know, that's, that's, that's key. And
3: also, let me tell you another trick that schools do, and I want people to know, since we're on this financial piece, is – Don't compare scholarship amount numbers to a particular school because every tuition is different. So, for example, uh, the school I work at, New Jersey City University, let's just say I'm just throw a number out there, make it easy. Let's say it's $20,000 a year to go to the school Mm -hmm. for four years. So it's $80,000. Let's say you get a full scholarship, that's $80,000 as an award, right? Over the the four years. Another school, let's say a competing school, uh, Seton Hall is 40,000 hours a year, right? So 40 times four is one hundred sixty. right? So 160,000. The school see, hall might say, we're gonna give you a scholarship for $95,000, right? And just use me a scholarship for $80,000 people will go to see a hall because the scholarship is more but you still owe $65,000. Yeah, yeah, you're going to pay more. Right? So don't get confused, but people get confused by that all the time. They go, "Well, my your school is giving me 20,000, but that other school is giving me 40, and I'm like, listen, that school is 3 times as much as our school here." So be very mindful when you see those award letters that say that the student is receiving this amount of money, make sure it adds up or subtracts well with the tuition.
0: Now, when they receive that money, right, and this, this happened to a gentleman, I know, like, the money is made out to the student, right? Now, that check, how, do, how does that work? Do they have to, does the money directly go to the school? Or is it it the di- Mostly
3: it directly goes, so it depends. When it's a, a college, um, merit-based scholarship at the college, it goes directly to the school. But let's say you get a local scholarship or a state scholarship. Right. So, for example, my last two years of college, I did not. Um, had to pay tuition because I had the internship and I got free tuition. Now, in addition to that, I was still applying to other scholarships. I had like over 10 different local scholarships. I literally took the check, went to um, Bursar, and they gave me a refund check. Mm. So I was getting paid tip- technically to go to college, right? I had I had that much excess funds that I was typically getting paid to go to college. So if it's national merit-based or merit-based through the school, whatever, things like that, it's usually paid directly to the tuition. But you can, but you can also receive other scholarships where it's just a check they give to you, and then it's written out to the bursar office, and the bursar has to give you a refund.
1: Got it. All right, that's that's good information. Um, can we talk about public speaking? Yeah. Because that's something that is very big right now, right? <laughs> and um, A lot of people want to get into the public speaking sp- that is space, motivational yes. speakers, all kinds of different speakers. But um, that's something that you guys do. Um, so yeah, can you talk about
2: that? We can. <laughs> <laughs> So, I have a very, we both do. No, we both, I know uh, exactly we, where you're going. I have man. a special feeling about public speakers because, you know, um, I always go back to this Tupac quote from Hit 'em Up. <laughs>
3: Great song, by the way. Yeah. So, at the end where <laughs> Tupac
2: goes on his rant, he says, you know, when I first started out, I, I told y'all this was just about Biggie. And then everybody had to open their mouths with the mother effing opinion. And when he said that, it just really articulates the world that we live in today. Where everyone has, <laughs> everyone. I, actually, I like how you flip that. You know what I'm saying? E- everyone has an opinion. Now, there's nothing wrong with having your opinion. I support it. Talk, good talk. But we have so many platforms for people who are not doing the work, and that's the problem that I have with public speaking. So we're we're gonna. I'm here to help. I'm here to have this conversation. Right. But it's it's an important precursor to say just because you have some quotes on your Instagram page. True. And you are retweeting Gary V or <laughs> Eric Thomas. Or, 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 right, right. or Earn Your Leisure. Or Earn Your Leisure, or True or Not True, right? because right, right, you're right. taking that's our right. content and you're like, you know. Put it in your bios. It, yeah, and that's what happens, is that people will watch <laughs> your, your podcast. <laughs> Right. they'll be watching your pod watching your podcast listening to your podcast gather your information yeah, and then that person will then say i'm a financial literacy expert it's right. like well you're not and then they'll come <laughs> and, and then they'll want to be public true. speakers and say well i should be speaking on financial literacy and i say what's your credit well you know i've been telling you about this and i'm like where'd you get your conf- your, your right. information from well you know one of my my main resources is earn your leisure then why don't i just go get Earn Your Leisure? <laughs> right. you know it's true so with public speaking that's the first thing I, you know, if you're one of those people, God bless, I'm, you know, I don't support it, but if you're an individual that's really going to be providing content to these individuals who need it, because there are young people and, and, and older people who need the help and you have to be able to, to, to support that. So in our, in, in our space, I think one of the first things is to recognize what is it that you are providing to the, to the audience. Right. If you can't say, here are five things that I'm going learning to... Learning outcomes. Right, here are my learning outcomes, exactly, right. that you're going to walk away from, then you are not ready to be a public speaker quite yet. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is your audience. So I'm not a financial expert. So I'm not going... So when somebody says, hey, Jeff, can you come talk to us about leadership right. and financial literacy? I'm going to say no.
3: Not, don't be a jack of all trades.
2: Don't do that. So make sure that you're very specific in the content that you're delivering. That's what actually separates you from everyone else. Sure, there are a bunch of leadership speakers. Sure, there are a bunch of people talking about financial literacy. Sure, there's a bunch of people talking about mental health. That's fine. Your job is to figure out how do I separate myself from that particular core group. And you're not going to be able to do that if you're talking about seven different things at the same time. Um, So those those are some of the quick tips about public speaking. And you also have to do it over and over and over and over again. There's a lot of us who thought that, you know, just because we're funny in the group chat doesn't mean that we can be stand-up <laughs> comedians. Right. And you learn that quick when you're a public speaker. My first ever gig was at NYIT, and they said, we need you for an hour and 30 minutes. And I said, I've been, you know, leading workshops in my class, and I can t- <laughs> I've can. been talking to my, my people. I pulled up at NYIT, and at 30 minutes into this speech, I was done. Question and right. answer. Right. right, I'm like, right. <laughs> I need an hour worth. Right, said, let's keep it rolling. And you find yourself in there thinking like, man, all right, maybe I could just spit a quick 16. Maybe I can just draw on the board. Yeah, we're gonna take a 15-minute right. bathroom break. Let's take break. a break. Right, right. And So you have to really have that content because you gotta be able to do that. And so I remember that saying, I just wasn't prepared. But you gotta do that. You right. gotta take that first L to say, all right, this is what I can do to uh, to get better. This is what I have to learn how to stand, how my posture works, how my speaking uh, in- uh, intonations go. All of those things are, are, are really important. Yeah,
3: I think also learn the, the power of leverage. So a lot of people go into public speaking or wanna speak at colleges, for example, and they're charging this crazy amount um, with no background, right? So Being willing to say, I'm gonna do it for free, um, just to be at certain locations or get things on your resume is very important um, as a public speaker. But I also wanna even say, there's so many public speakers and and I'm I'm happy to see that it's grown, but I also want people, um, I've been thinking about it a lot, just I want people to be doers, man, to do more. Um, I need more people in the classroom, right, you know, if you look around the country nationally, it's under 5% is black faculty members. Um, tenure track Black faculty members, maybe less than five, um, and and it's even you know I'm in meetings and Jeff's in meetings, and we're usually only Black person in the room, you know, and you want to look at not just speaking, but finding ways to change legislation, create programs, create platforms like this. Um, in addition to you just being a public speaker because our students are already being oppressed in certain institutions and are already being taken advantage of and the last thing we need is for somebody to come in and say rah, rah, rah get excited and leave. Or another
2: panel you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm sorry I I just feel like (laughs) uh, I have a very uh, hard line on some of these things that enough is enough we right. got to start doing some work, yeah. and I don't know how many times I've been to. Hey, the the seven most effective people to learn about right. leadership in your community while you're wearing natural hair, and also, are, I don't need that. I don't need <laughs> right. all these panels. And it
3: turns into like passive shade, and right. it's, 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 people. It's, it's, I'm the uh, best person uh, at
2: this, and then everyone <laughs> walks out the room with no content. And there are these young people that need our help, and there's a lot of us who are working at NBCs that are working at. Pfizers that are working at large banks and institutions that are entrepreneurs that need to say as we go in there and perfect our speaking, can we help these students and build for the future? So you know those those are such essential pieces to the process and getting paid as a speaker, you 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 think that there's a quick way to just go in there and, and get these checks and it's just not and. You know, you might have all this clout, but that clout is not going to get you to return if you can't do anything when you get there. Right.
1: So, but but what is all right? Fair enough. You should have good purpose, and you should be educated, assuming you are. Now, what's the steps to actually got it? Cool. So right. I, I, think I had to get that off my chest. Sorry, I ain't gonna lie. But I think one of the I always tell the
3: story. Like I got start. I posted on my Instagram the other day. I started out in the Boys and Girls Club, right? It was a Boys and Girls Club. My friend of mine Ron Brangman. Shout out to him. Told me. And never forget, he was like, I know you want to become you know a speaker, you want to get involved. He said, I'm gonna give you two things. I'm gonna give you this space, but I'm also gonna tell you that everybody's not gonna like you. Mm. Right? Just, just just know that. Like you're not gonna go in every room and every audience is gonna love you. So this is the space here, have fun, do what you want to do. Um, and then you know, five years later, you know, Jeff and I are going to like Iowa State, Kentucky, UCLA. But I was humble enough to start in like a boys and girls club where 20 people was in a room and 15 honestly low-key was my family, right? And <laughs> just pulled up because they didn't want to see me fail. Uh, So, you know, that's that's most important is is having that humbleness, but also having the expertise, right? So we said it earlier, don't be a jack of all trades, right? So if you worked in HR and that's your experience and then you also have a little motivation behind you, be able to provide that that knowledge you got from being an HR rep or that knowledge you got from being a financial advisor in that with the inspiration, now people are gonna want you more because you're providing them with things in question, you're providing them with a service or a product that they can actually use, like a tangible thing. So be a tangible speaker more than a public speaker. That's what I wanna say, like have tangible items um, in addition to that, but also be willing to say, yo, I'm gonna go speak for free. Um, and the, second piece, the third piece is having content. So we started as bloggers. And we blogged to a niche market. Like, we knew people that deal with students at colleges, their office is usually under student affairs. So we knew that there was a student affairs group, and there's region conferences and and programs. So we made sure that we implemented our blogs within that audience group so they know who we are. So when we had the blog, we already knew in the back of our heads we wanted to be speakers. So we had the programs ready with the learning outcomes and objectives, and that's how we started getting... More involved in the school, so when you are expert, you do become, you do get a niche market, and it helps you get paid more, and you understand your pricing and things like that. Can, yeah. can you talk about the names of the blogs? Because I thought they were brilliant. We talked about it off camera. Oh, so some of the blogs that we created in the beginning were like um, Beyonce, Beyonce and his Social Change Model, Kevin Durant and Retention. I know you did one with what on Justin Bieber.
2: Yeah, what, we did uh, what Drake can teach you about conflict management, and uh, we also did um, Nicki Minaj and nonverbal communication and. So, you know, you add all those things. Um, And to just give some other quick tips about public speaking is so, content. So, video content is key. So, people need to know that you're actually speaking. So, people would rather see you speak than hear you speak or a photo. So get the content and you know, whether you're using an iPhone or a camera, just make sure that you're getting content of you speaking about whatever it is that you're speaking about. Um, And and that's how you can leverage it. So sometimes you can go to a school or or an institution and say, listen, I'll do it for free, but can you allow me to get um, video content? Number two is whatever you speak, make sure you get a mailing list. So you want people to always know that you're speaking as many times as possible and let them know, hey, this is what I'm doing, so people will always remember. So that mailing list is really key and one of the big leverages that's gonna allow you to move into different spaces. Another key thing is recognizing in your field or area of expertise, where are the conferences that are uh, hosting content on your area. So. For us, it might be Student Affairs, and there's NASPA, and there's you know ACPA, and there's NACA, and there's all these specific conferences that have all their specific acronyms, and you wanna just be able to know which one fits. And there's literally conferences for everything. <laughs> right. So you wanna know when are the deadlines to present, uh, to submit a workshop. Cause that's really how we got, I got in, I submitted a workshop to a conference five times, and got right. rejected five times. Then I just paid my way to go to the conference as an attendee, went to the conference, and then met and shook hands with every single person possible. All the speakers, Every speaker, every host, and said, how do I get myself into? I was friends with the person who was the MC. The MC introduced me to the person who who ran the conference, and then they said, let's see your stuff. I didn't have any content, so then I had to go get content, make Mm, content, then show them my stuff, then they liked it, And then they say, hey, listen, we'll get you as an MC first. Right. And then I did the MC and embodied it, showed up and then killed it. And they said, do you want to do a workshop? Did that. After I did a couple workshops, I said, can I do a keynote? They said, let's test you out. Tested me out, nailed the keynote, got the keynote speech. Right. Fast forward. Lenny and I, Trill or Not Trill, we run the conference. Like literally in a five year span, right. I started out yeah. as somebody who's getting rejected to now we curate the entire conference and bring in speakers. What so conference is that? It's called NCSL. It's yep. the National Conference on Student Leadership. It's in Orlando this November for all student leaders. So we bring, there's about 500 students from all over the country that show up and uh, and that's how it started. You know, So you gotta just do right. it over and over and again. And then i want to
3: add two more tips to that. Another one is one is for social media don't get caught up on how many followers you have get caught up again on the niche make sure your niche market is following you so we don't have a large i mean we have a decent amount of followers but we have a bunch of decision makers at college campuses that can bring us in or help us run a conference and then the last piece is writing books right so we talked about that earlier i know we talked about that off camera is when you write a book if they can't pay you they'll also buy your book instead or a bookstore can actually pay for your book and then you can also come in through the bookstore at a college campus
1: so uh, let me ask you too let's, let's say they email you and um they want you you know they say okay we want you to come in somebody at the, a, a student at a student union organization says we want to bring you in that, like what do you say like do you say okay i, I, I want to come but this is my rate to come no so or? the first
3: thing you do first thing we do we send you a, a pre-programmed survey um, and I'm gonna be honest. We didn't do this in the beginning, and and that's when it got a little tricky. But on the pre-program survey, it says budget. What is your budget? Period. So then we now because we're, we're we have a team now. Before it was just Jeff and I, so it was a little different. Now we can kind of figure out how can we um, based on that budget, what can we really provide for you, mm-hmm. um, and it's effective for our side as well as your side. So honestly, just being able to ask the budget. You know, I'm 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 married to an artist, right, and I remember when I first used to send out the form, and she was like, "Dude, you're not asking about the budget. I don't, I don't step foot out the house without knowing what the budget's gonna be. So, you know, just like any other field, just ask them and be transparent. And then, I always say, whatever their budget is, there's probably it's probably a little bit higher than that, right? So then you start to you start to ask for other
1: other little things within that. That's that was good information. <laughs> all right, all right, okay, well thank you guys for coming on we appreciate you appreciate um, yeah man this is great can yeah. you tell the people how to contact you your handles your, your your website all the information
3: yeah so personal handle is um at professor.williams um you can find trill or not trill anywhere um just put at trill or not trill and our website is com. yeah and i'm
2: at mr jeff des m-r-j-e-f-f-d-e-s-s um on all platforms and then again at trill or not Trill. We've got a lot of really cool content coming out this fall, a lot of new team members, a lot of new work. So Yeah, you know, man, and,
3: and if you also work for a company and you know, we always talk about doing this work and you have the connections or you know you can help students get jobs and internships. We know some amazing students across the country. Feel free to reach out to right. us and, and we'll help you even come in and, and speak to our students as well. You said two hundred schools, right? Got there, two hundred?
2: I mean we're at I think that, maybe more now. Yeah, wow. we're close to two hundred. Yeah, yeah. Wow.
3: yeah. US, Virgin Islands, yeah, and Canada. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we're just going to
0: call out Patreon.com. That's our Proud to Pay program, and it's been going amazing. I got to give a huge shout-out to Denita. Danita's from Houston, and we had a call, and um, she was super excited about us coming. She wants to lay out an itinerary for us. <laughs> <laughs> so shout-out to Danita and everybody in Houston. And um, I want to give a, another one to uh, Amaya, who actually hit us up on Instagram um, when she saw our post about our program since we are talking about doing things. And um, we had an hour conversation just about what she can do in, in Daytona and some of the things she's doing. She put me on the game, so right. shout out to her. Um, but yeah, Patreon.com/backslash uh, Earn Your Leisure. We have five different tiers. Feel free to join at any tier. Um, our merch is out on EarnYourLeisure.com. Our our website is it's under construction. Are we say under construction?
1: No, it's not under construction. It's just it's being re, re, redone. Re, redone? But it's still up. It's yeah, up it's right still
0: up. Now. It's still up. Uh, so feel free to buy the merch um, and support that. And uh, yeah, man.
1: Yeah, Patreon is a it's a community first and foremost, and it's a it's a way to interact with me and Troy. A lot of times, people want like you know mentorship or they want to have like real So you can actually have like FaceTime conversations with us, and it also allows you early access to the podcast. More importantly, it like I said, it's really a community. Where we really establish strong relationships with our patrons, and um, so that's a way to a financially support the podcast, but also build relationships with me and Troy, and just um, be part of the Earn Your Leisure. Yeah. community uh, for sure and the merch I got my merch on hustle for your last name we, we're gonna be rolling out some some new merch um, EYL University is coming on soon on it's way oh, and uh, I mean, that means that they alumni now welcome to the alumni yeah, that's, that's it man we ended the show man that's it that's sure, sure, sure. it, uh, it and yeah Houston <laughs> one, one last thing is Houston Texas uh, on, we are coming on the 22nd so don't forget to RSVP and um, yeah we'll, we'll see you guys soon peace peace